We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. everybody welcome back to veterans minimum i'm your host nick dais at nick dais 10 is where you can find me veteransminimum.com where you can find all things vm this is the third episode of the week and i got my guy joining us all the way from new york soon to be an astoria native baby alan what up what's up man yes this is very true i appreciate the shout out there and oh man Big week, and I think it's one of the most anticipated Super Bowls in recent memory. Yeah, I think the right two teams are in. Uh, it's always a conversation I like to have with people when you're breaking down a finals, World Cup final, anything It's like for the championship. The right two teams are in. Compelling storylines, compelling matchups. Uh, legacies will be defined. Um, it's going to be interesting. And also, this is one of seven Super Bowls. In the last 30 years, Alan, that are expected to close from a betting standpoint of less than a field goal. So the odds makers are expecting this to be a very, very close game. I want to start this show with uh, something I didn't really put down in the rundown, but I think it'd be fair for both of us to answer this. What do you think is the biggest storyline going into the Super Bowl? So many. If I have to give one, though, I do think it goes a little bit more towards Kansas City, given just Mahomes' stature and you know, obviously Andy Reid having, you know, what, 15 years of in Philadelphia, if not a little less. But I just think with Mahomes, Andy Reid, those are the two biggest names. And given that Kansas City, last five years, they've been in the AFC Championship, they've been in two Super Bowls. I just think their longevity and their consistency is probably gets a little bit more of an edge over to Philly. I know Philly's been a great story, and Philly in their own right has been successful, but I just think the consistency of Kansas City and the legendary status of Mahomes, Reed, and, of course, Travis Kelsey. Like, I think just a little bit more of star power I would give to Kansas City. I agree with you. I think something that's super fascinating, and I think it'll be a main talking point come Monday, Tuesday, next week when we have the fallout, 
it's interesting how both of these teams are built. One paid their quarterback a shitload of money, and they built around them still. Got They made a big decision on a wide receiver that they let go of, and then they brought in pieces. They've hit, they had a very, very good draft that immediately you have impact players on defense and on offense. Pacheco, uh, Sky Moore hasn't really worked out, but he had a big return in the conference championship game, and they had enough trust in him to be out there. And then you got Carl Laftis, the dirty Greek, on the defensive line, and then one of the DBs that made a big play on the T. Higgins. Both of them were rookies. Jalen Watson. Yeah. He, he had interceptions against... Cincinnati and Jacksonville. Yeah. He pretty much had the game securing interception on Lawrence. So he's been a good pickup for him as well. Yeah. And let's not forget about Trent McDuffie who's had injuries, but he I thought he held up well against Chase. Right, right. So you're looking at the Chiefs from one standpoint of this could be the model if you do pay your quarterback. This is how you can still be successful. Obviously, no shit. We all know this. It is Mahomes too. So that's like the top of the pedestal. And then on the flip side, I found this fascinating, dude. A.J. Brown is the only non-drafted Eagles player on their roster. Uh, wait, can you repeat that? The only player on their roster? Oh, yeah. on offense. Excuse me, on offense. Yeah, I'm about to say, I'm thinking yeah, like yeah, Javon Hargrave, Darius yeah, yeah, Slay, James and, Bradbury. And Hassan okay. Reddick, too. My bad, my bad. On offense. So, yeah, so this was my point. Yeah. Building out, like, an offense to be successful, right, they drafted all their pieces. And then you have Jalen Hurts, who's in-house, and you have a lot of guys that they've drafted. So you're looking at it as one organization paid their quarterback big money, and they still got to the Super Bowl. And then the other one have built around their quarterback who's still on a rookie deal, but they just front-loaded the rest of the roster with paying a big-time wide receiver. They have a running back now that's going into He's in a contract year, Miles Sanders. And then, of course, the DBs. And, like, Hassan Reddick, too. Like, I forgot they didn't draft him. So, my bad on that one. But I think those are the big storylines that are going to be the fallout from this Super Bowl. I mean, Philadelphia, you, you want to talk about just – knowing how to utilize draft picks and making trades. Like, let's not forget, they got a top 10 pick next year. Like, just the way they bade New Orleans. I know a lot of his good player, but just time and time again, I know Harry Roseman every now and then has his misses, but I think he's proven over the last 10 years, they just hit. And that's why Philadelphia has been a contender for most of these last 10 years. Like, you see them, they're in the discussion. And just the way they built in the trenches, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest I think always in the Super Bowl you look at in the trenches, but in particular this one, just because I think Philadelphia just over the course of the season has dominated teams in the trenches. They've built such a good, uh, across the board, on the O-line and D-line. Yet I think Kansas City has the most terrifying player in the trenches in Chris Jones right now. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair. What's crazy to me is that I don't really look at the Eagles roster and think, oh, wow, they've had the most sacks in NFL history in a single season. Like, isn't that weird to you? I mean, they're just so well-balanced. Like, yeah. I know they don't have that necessarily that, that dominant player, but at the same time, like, Reddick's exploded. I think uh, Josh Sweat has been underappreciated for a long time, and now he's coming to his own. Brandon Graham has had a stellar career, and you know, Javon Hargrave, I think the Steelers regret not uh, securing him to a long-term deal. So they just... When you have all this wide array of talent, like eventually you only have to rush four. 
these guys are just going to exploit those one-on-one matchups. So uh, I think the only real surprise is just how good Hassan Rek has been. Like, he's always been like, – he crashed out of Arizona, but you saw in Carolina, it's like, okay, I think he's found his niche. But you know, Rex made game-changing plays, and he had the big one on Purdy. And uh, I think Kansas City, as good as their line is, their tackles can get got at. And I think that's definitely one of the bigger mismatches in this matchup. You know, remember uh, when he got traded – from the Bears to the Eagles, I said, oh, shit, Robert Quinn might be this year's Von Miller. I had I forgot a, about him. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, he just hasn't produced, too, right? Like, I had yeah. a, I had some fans DM me, and they said, dude, good call. You said that Robert Quinn was going to be this year's version of Von Miller, and then the Rams end up going to the Super Bowl and winning it, and now Robert Quinn is on the Eagles, and they went to the Super Bowl. However, like, Von Miller was a key cog to their success, and he was – Oh yeah super pivotal and then what it opened up for like Leonard Floyd and Aaron Donald. So it's not, yeah, it's, it, it, it was a good take, but he also hasn't really contributed. Yeah. I would say Linval Joseph has probably been the biggest veteran contributor that's been brought in. I know Sue plays Aaron Donald, but Linval Joseph has actually played significant snaps and look, Kansas city, I think at some point in this game, will try to have some sort of running game. So he's going to be key for Linval Joseph. Let's start with that. One of the things I want to discuss is I want to talk about the biggest X factor in this game, in your opinion. And there's a little bit of, a, I guess, a, a, a disclaimer, should I say. Or, like, we have to preface this by saying you can't say the X factor is Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or even Travis Kelsey. Give me someone under the radar that you think is going to have a big role in this game that could be an X factor for, for either team. It doesn't, you know, just, just in general. Whenever a team plays against the Eagles, I immediately look at their front seven, in particular the linebackers. And you know, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay are like two players that are very consistent, but their high-end play, they make a difference. Like Willie Gay, I thought, was excellent against Cincinnati. But just the way the Eagles challenge the linebackers with RPOs and you know, Hurts you know, running power, and then you have Sanders and you have Scott and Gamer, like they could just attack him in so many ways. And the way Kelsey gets to the second level, you know, obviously Jason Kelsey, is just – he just takes people out. And, like, I think the linebacker play in particular is going to be very key. Like, these linebackers, they have their high moments, but they could lose their discipline. They could miss a lot of tackles. You know, so it's it's they're both very inconsistent. But I think they're going to get challenged quite a bit. I just think the way the Eagles put pressure on the linebackers is, is just something that you see week in and week out. I thought, you know, not to bring up bad memories, but they completely exploit the Giants linebackers. And I thought against – the 49ers, Fred Warner, had one of his worst games in probably his career, and I thought Greenlaw was kind of ineffective. So, you know, Billy knows how to target linebackers. I know that pretty much, you know, crash them out in the run game and then, you know, exploit them in the pass game. So, you know, how Bolton and Gay hold up, I think it's going to be very key. Yeah, I, I have to mention this now. I was saving it for a little bit later, but you're right about the linebackers because, to me, one of the matchups to watch are both of these tight ends against the linebackers of the opposition. Because I think the linebacker room for both of these teams, they're they're pretty weak against the pass. And especially both of these teams, like a lot of their stuff is over the middle of the field. Dallas Goddard and Jalen Hurts. Uh, I mentioned it on the prop show, how much I love Dallas Goddard in this matchup. Obviously, we love Travis Kelsey and all that he does for them. And that's a big matchup for me, for sure, are the linebackers against some of these guys over the middle. But to me, Alan, I feel like the biggest X factor might be the secondary for the Chiefs 
because we mentioned how they have some rookies in the back end of their defense. And also you have A.J. Brown, you have Devontae Smith, you have Dallas Goddard as well. Quez Watkins doesn't really play much of a role when Dallas Goddard is in the lineup, but they have a lot of weapons that they could attack you with. And I think Jalen Hurts with the RPOs and hitting these guys quick and early, I think is going to be a big, big part of their success. And we need to see how these young guys from Kansas City are going to be able to step up on this grand stage. And I know at this point of the year, I don't really consider you a rookie because you've played so long. You got about like 19 games under your belt for the most part. And you played in a big moment in the AFC title game against stud wide receivers also. So you need that to be replicated this week if you're Kansas City in order for you to have success. Agreed. Well said. I, I'm just, and maybe it's just recency bias, but it just seems that the Eagles, you know, as much as they're threatening on the outside, like we know about their playmakers, it just, they have no problem like running the ball, like seven, eight plays on these long drives. Like they just know how to beat you up in the trenches and they will depend on Hurts and obviously Sanders and then Gainwell and Scott will spell them. You saw against the Giants, you saw them wear them out against the Niners, and you saw regular season games against Green Bay, Dallas, et cetera, this year. Like, they will run the ball heavy. And, like, the way they had success, and I think they have to look at Mahomes on the cross the sideline. They're like, okay, I think we need to make sure time possession-wise we get the ball more than the Chiefs and you know, try to keep Mahomes off the field as much as possible. So that's why I wouldn't be surprised, you know, as dangerous as they are you know, through the air. I think. They could run the ball 30, 35 times this game. I do think that is kind of a recipe for success because you could get at Kansas City, you could beat them up a little bit, but of course you just want to give Mahomes as few opportunities as possible. I think that's going to be massive, and I think the running game for Philly is going to need to be on its A game. There have been a lot of times this year where the running game was the MVP for the Eagles, and Hurts... Hurts is someone who they like to run him, and I think even though there are some injury concerns with his shoulder, I think now at this point, it's a Super Bowl, bro. You're putting all your chips in the middle, and you're going down with what got you here. Which brings me to this take about Philly that you've been hearing more and more, and I'm someone that buys into it, bro, because I think your strength of schedule, it's important. It means something. But then on the flip side, I've also defended the Eagles in saying that yeah, they haven't been tested, but they're also obliterating these teams. They're not squeaking by like Minnesota was, right? We all felt mm-hmm. as if Minnesota was a fraud all year because they were 11-0 and in one-score games. And you know, and everyone knows how I feel about one-score games in the NFL. It's hard for that to be replicated on a weekly basis. And this had never happened before. So all year we were saying, yo, Minnesota's winning another close game, another close game. Whereas Philly, a lot of their wins have been just two, three-score wins. So they're dominating these teams. But the Eagles, in my opinion, win this game if their defense is what it's ranked to be. They have the number one pass defense in the NFL, but they gave up 30-plus to a Packers offense that everyone was kind of just shitting on every week. They gave up close to 35-plus to Jared Goff and the Lions. They gave up 40 to Dak. And then you look at the rest of the schedule, it's like Daniel Jones three times, Taylor Heineke, Justin Fields. It's a, it's a lot of mid-quarterbacks that they're playing. 
So if Philly's defense is as good as everyone is saying it is, and it has been this year, now you're playing the guy in the league. If you're as good as we're saying you are, that's how I think Philly wins this game. Yeah, and when it's good pass rush, I think you just need to depend on them because look, Mahomes is going to make those ass structure plays, and Andy Reid's going to design those, you know, coverage breakers where it's just like, okay, you'll see Valdez Scantling somehow open across the middle of the field. You'll see Juju on like a quick eight yard hitch, and you know, Kelsey just they know how to scheme him open away. So it's just, I think Philadelphia they need to just win up front because look, if you give Mahomes times, he's going to break you at some point. So, you know, we could talk about coverages if we could talk about skill position players. Ultimately, I think it's going to be one of the trenches and you know, that's how Philadelphia's won you know, over the course of the season. So that's what I'm looking at. But then again, you see Mahomes and I don't know what the number is, but I feel like if, you know, the way they design plays, they're going to try to get the ball quick and with given his quick release and you have players like McKinnon, you obviously have Kelsey, like, you know, he could get those quick check downs, the quick you know, hit him in the flat and, you know, get those you know, six to eight yard completions. So, you know, look, I think just given the matchup, we might see Mahomes, like his yards per attempt, it could be pretty low in this one. And, you know, they'll have no problem just digging and dunking because you know, this isn't necessarily an offense that could vertically stretch you down the field outside of maybe ball to scaling. So this could be one of those games where Mahomes is like six yards per attempt and that's just how they're going to win. It's important to note that he's going to have some of his weapons back. It's expected that Kadarius, Tony, and Juju are going to suit up for this one. Hardman has already been ruled out. And then, obviously, we've seen MVS had a monster game in the conference championship, especially when you look at all the guys that were dropping like flies pretty much every other drive in that game. That MVS performance could go down as one of, like, like that's a career-defining moment for him. And... Because we know what we're going to get from Kelsey, right? You're looking at his box score. Dude, it seems fake, right? Like 14 for 98 and two touchdowns against Jacksonville. He had seven for 78 and a touchdown against Cincinnati. And he scored 15 touchdowns in his playoff career with Pat Mahomes alone. It's like this dude is an end zone machine. And it feels like super square to say he's going to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. But we felt the same way about Cooper Cup last year, and he scored a touchdown. He scored two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. And that leads me to my point of if, if the, Chiefs, the Chiefs win this game, if Kelsey continues to run wild, and I think he is, they should do something where it's like, yo, someone else has to beat us. We have to double him with Maddox. We have to double him. Like Maybe they do like that old school New England Patriots not New England Patriots, how teams used to play Gronk, but they would put like the right. number one corner on Gronk and then dare everyone else to beat him. You would have to do something like that. Like put, maybe you have Darius Slay shadow him or, or Bradbury with, with a safety over the top because you can't let this dude run wild. And where I think he's the most dangerous, and it's going to be fascinating to see how long the ankle holds up from Mahomes is those ad-libs plays uh, when they improvise. Yeah. And then, you know, like you just see Kelsey's like, oh, yeah, right here. And then he catches it, spins off someone. It's, it's a 30-yard gain, which it seems like they have one of those every half that they play. So if Kelsey runs wild, it's going to be a nightmare, I think, for Philadelphia. I think because Lou and Arumo and Cincinnati are like the masters of containing Kelsey. Right. Like they have had previous success, and I think they did a good job. The thing is just like those out-of-structure plays or you know, the ad-lib plays, and 
Like that fourth down, it was fourth and three, and Kelsey scored that touchdown. Like that was just a pure broken play where Mahomes got out the pocket and just Kelsey had leverage and they scored. And I just think Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, they're gonna move across the line of scrimmage. They're gonna utilize them on the outside. I felt like against the Bengals, you saw them more on the outside. Now that was probably due to you know several wide receiver injuries, but you know maybe that's a way for them to create some of those mismatches and, and get the ball more to him because I just. I just think in this offense, you have to feed him. Like, who knows what Tony's going to bring to you? I think Smith Schuster, he is what he is at this point. Like, I think this is a game, especially in this moment, where you know, the Chiefs to me are an underdog, where you know Kelsey has to get double digit targets, and you just got to get you know, those quick think and dunk plays and you know try to avoid third longs. Because if Kansas City's in third long for a majority game, they're going to get pummeled. The Chiefs and the Eagles played each other last year in the regular season, Alan. And I mentioned this on the show earlier this week when we were talking about the props. And I said something along the lines of Mahomes threw five touchdowns against this Jonathan Gannon defense. And then someone messaged me and they said, yeah, he threw five touchdowns, but when you get a chance, go and look at the box score. Tyreek Hill had 11 for 186 and three touchdowns. And Tyreek isn't there. Right, Kelsey in that game had four catches for 23 yards. Um, he saw 10 targets. Um, sorry, he saw six targets. So, <clears throat> yeah, he lit them up last year, but the primary guy that was eating up the Eagles is no longer there. And also, this Eagles defense has Bradbury now, has Hassan Reddick now, completely different from what they had last year. But I just found that fascinating because I wonder if Mahomes is going to be familiar with this defense and their tendencies and whatever they're scheming up especially when he did light them up last year. But then to counter, like I said, Tyree Kill was the guy that was going bananas. Do you buy into that at all? Is that something you would you would look at? Or is it because Tyreek wasn't there, you kind of exclude that game? Yeah, I think Tyreek had just such a big impact on that game. And you know, look, he's the scariest playmaker in the league. Like Defenses have nightmares trying to game plan for him. So it's hard to put too much stock in that game, given the impact Tyreek had. So, yeah, I don't really put too much value into it. The Kelsey Bowl. What do you uh, what do you make of this storyline, dude? Absolutely love it because I think two of them are certified Hall of Famers. I think they're the most lovable players in the league, and they're the best at their positions. Like Jason Kelsey is thirty five and playing at an All Pro level. Like he, I think he will. If he hasn't, I don't know if it was announced, but like he should be a first team All Pro. And you already know Kelsey's a first team All Pro, so you know they're two fun loving dudes. Like, we both could hey. Both of them now, after last, what, two Sundays ago, uh, Travis has gone to the heights that Jason has in terms of promo cutting ability. You know, between the Cincinnati mayor and certain individuals in that uh, Jason Kelsey speech from, what, five years ago, these guys could talk the talk. So, like, yeah, this is cool. I hope one of them gets the microphone, whoever wins the Super Bowl, and cuts a fantastic promo because, look, they're born entertainers, but the coolest thing about it is that they're legitimately the best players at their respective positions. And I think both of them are going to need to have their A game just because, you know, the pressure that's on them. Like Jason Kelsey better be ready to double team Chris Jones the majority of those snaps. Then he better be able to identify some of those exotic blitzes that Spag is going to bring. Because as you know, Super Bowl Spag is here. Yep, yep. And then on the other side, it's like, and then on the other side, like, you know, Travis Kelsey, he better be ready to get targeted by Jonathan again and these linebacker safeties and potentially nickel corners. So, it, it's yeah, this is one of my favorite storylines and you gotta love it. Like everything about this is awesome. Yeah, something interesting about Steve Spagnolo is he's done a 
he does a fairly good job on receivers on the outside. Especially like in Super Bowls. Like even going back with the Giants, like the time, you know, Randy Moss didn't, you know, put up like 150 yards on him. It was, it was like the Wes Welkers that was moving the chains. And then it was like even against the Chiefs, it was uh not the Chiefs, excuse me, even against uh Cincinnati. Like, you didn't really, like, yeah, T. Higgins, but it was like a jump ball situation where it was just like the better guy just made a better play. The coverage was great. So the way he schemes up things, that's why I think it's going to be a big, I think both tight ends are going to have a massive role, which leads me to this talking point. There's never been a tight end that's won Super Bowl MVP. Ooh. I think both guys are live to have monster games. I'm not someone that likes to pick the favorite. It's the two quarterbacks, obviously. But I think there's a compelling case, Allen, to be made for Travis Kelsey for Super Bowl MVP the same way we made the case last year for Cooper Cup. Right? There were many times in the regular season where, I mean, I felt like Cooper Cup was the MVP of the whole league last year. Because from week one to week 18 in the regular season, there was not a better player than him. Rodgers had some bad games. Brady had some bad games. Like, all the other candidates had bad games where, like, Cooper Cup's worst game was, like, 7 for 78. And, and like, he balled out in that game. It's just that Stafford would have all these, like, massive turnovers, and he would have bad games. But, dude, there's been four or five times this year where Travis Kelsey was the MVP of that game. And it's weird because Mahomes is going to win his second MVP. But... I think at like 15 to one, Travis Kelsey is super interesting. I think he should be closer to the quarterbacks. Like he should be like a six or seven to one. So I'm definitely betting on Kelsey. Dallas Goddard is like 60 to one. That's pretty wild in some places. But the MVP never being a tight end, I think is uh, it's pretty interesting, man. Especially when you got two tight ends that I think are going to have monster games. Yeah, that's a really good call. I, I, I did not know that. And given the talent level, it's like, yeah, why not? I do think, look, both of them, especially for a guy like Goddard, probably need two touchdowns. While Kelsey, say if Kelsey goes like 10 of 110 for a touchdown, maybe he could do that. But you know, well, look, these guys to, have to get in the end zone. Let's try to, let's try to map it out, right? Because I think, I think for Kelsey to win Super Bowl MVP, he would need – Seven for 100, and I think he needs to have two touchdowns. I don't know how much yak he's going to get, though. Like To me, I think this is a game where it could be similar to Jacksonville, where he's like, all his uh, targets are like under 10 yards. Like, I don't know how, you know, look, there could be a few broken plays where he might get downfield, but I don't know. I think he probably will need to get double-digit catches. Yeah, yeah. But because you got you to gotta think of it as like, and I'm pretty sure the layout for last year's Super Bowl with Cooper Cup was, all right, Stafford throws three touchdowns, but maybe he has a turnover, and maybe two of them go to Cup. And that's exactly what happened. He threw one to Odell, and then he threw two to Cooper Cup. And he had an interception, right? Like Jesse Bates, I'm pretty sure. Like, so, like, that was the roadmap for Cooper Cup to win it. And then I think it would have to be something similar, like, Mahomes tries to make plays. Maybe he, he ends with 270 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, but two of the touchdowns went to Travis Kelsey. That's what I think it would have to take. Like, Goddard would have to have two – I think both tight ends would have to score multiple touchdowns in order to get this, and then you would need to have that parlayed with a quarterback having a turnover that 
maybe would have cost them the game. And that's it's just, yeah. it just leans towards the quarterback, man. I think we kind of know this at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. But also, you know, in the last couple of years, we've had two wide receivers and two quarterbacks win the award. So it is, you know, going back to like Edelman. You had Edelman. Then yeah, you had that, that awful Super Bowl. Right. I feel right, like right. he was like the only one they could have picked. And like, I just think this game looked as guaranteed points. So it's like, I just, yeah, it's heavily carried to quarterback. But look, maybe a defensive player, you know, a guy like Chris Jones has three sacks. So a big play slay has a pick six. Can't rule that out. In the Atlanta, sorry, I know this is always a sensitive subject, and I don't mean to do this, but I mean, I mean, I mean, what was it—the anniversary a couple of days ago? Yeah, yeah, you you yeah, see it all, bro. You seen it all. Uh, who was the MVP in that game? If the Falcons would have won that, wasn't it Alford? Great, great. Jared had a strong case. Great, Jared had three sacks. Alford Jared had a pick was, six. Yeah, yeah. Great, Jared was a monster. But then again, Julio had that catch. Julio, yeah, I think Matt Ryan had a decent game. Yeah. Uh, I think that great Jared had a really strong case. I'll, mm. I'll, I'll say that. But uh, I don't think it would have been Matt Ryan. Though. Yeah. And then you had in the in the Chiefs Super Bowl win. Dude, I thought it was, was going to be Damian Williams. Right? I thought it was going to be Damian Williams also when the Chiefs ended up winning. Yeah, two yeah. touchdowns. Uh, he put up like over 100 scrimmage yards. And like Mahomes didn't really play that great of a game. It's just he had that, you know, the that crazy play to, to Tyreek Hill. and. You know, Kelsey scored a touchdown in that Super Bowl. And then uh, in the chiefs Bucks Super Bowl, I might be salty because I bet on him, but I felt like it should have been Gronk. He scored two touchdowns. Yeah, who did end up winning it? It was Brady. Really? I don't even recall Brady doing much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It's there's just, it's, bro, there's a couple. Like, James White it, was an MVP in that Super Bowl. Oh, but yeah, he, he definitely three should touchdowns, have. touchdowns, bro. Yeah, like it's just it's somehow too lean towards QBs. I remember like what was it the Seattle year Malcolm Smith won it, which was kind of cool. I well, don't know how much of an impact well, he had, Malcolm, but he had the interception. Malcolm Smith had the interception when the game was like a one score game, like that was yeah. the backbreaker play there, right? Like that's why he ended up getting it. But yeah, if you're a defensive player, like people are asking me about the defensive lineman Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Hassan Reddick. What would they have to do in order to win MVP? I think it would have to be a game-changing turnover that they cause, uh, whether it's a, you know, but it has to be like multiple. Like, it can't just be one sack. It has to be two, two and a half sacks, and one of them is, you know, it's 24-20, and the Eagles are driving, and Frank Clark gets the strip sack fumble recovery. Like, it would have to be something like that. But then also on the flip side, and I hate doing this, but you have to present all these different arguments. You would have to hope that, like, Mahomes is, like, 218 yards, two touchdowns, one in 10. Like, there's a yeah, – that's why it's tough, man. And that's Agreed. why it's also catered to – it's catered to the quarterbacks. Yeah. If, it's not really a sleeper, but given that he's had a quiet playoffs and he's always capable of just, you know, destroying a game, like – if you want to throw a flower on A.J. Brown, do it. Because I just think these Chiefs corners are small. Yeah. Like they are very undersized. Like, I guess the A.J. Brown, I know he's had quite playoffs just because of game script. And, you know, him and Hurts haven't been quite on the same page. But, look, A.J. Brown had, what, 1,300 yards yeah. in the regular season? I think he's due for a big one. So, if you, if you want to go skill position player, I think A.J. Brown would be the way to go. I love that call. And also, think about this. They haven't needed the passing game. 
The game against the Giants was over after the second time the Eagles touched the ball. And then Brock Purdy goes down, so you didn't really need to. I think this is going to be one of the few times this year where Philly's going to have to air it out because Mahomes is never going to be out of this game. And I think that for as long as Mahomes is in this game, the ankle permits, and he's playing, this is going to be somewhere where maybe they have a negative game script and they need to throw more. That's why I love some of the pass-catching props for Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown. I'm with you, man. I think A.J. Brown has a monster, monster Super Bowl. I think that would probably make this look. This is a really exciting Super Bowl. But I think just from a viewing standpoint, I think it'd be really cool if the Eagles are like trailing. Like we really see Hurts in a big spot having to throw the ball. Look, he's obviously going to run the ball quite a bit, but I want to see what would it be like the Eagles chasing a game, just because you know they've been like the bullies this year, and it's good to see you know someone match up to the bullies. So you know, regardless of where you're sporting, regardless of where your bets are, I think from a pure viewing standpoint, you know, obviously we all want to tight game but and if the Eagles are trailing in the fourth quarter I'm, I think that's the most exciting thing that could happen these are the kind of games that I wish I wasn't a piece of shit and I bet because this is this is like <laughs> this is like bro this is the prime example of a game where I wish I could just sit back with a couple of you know cold yeah. ones and just enjoy but it's like man I'm gonna be having so much money on this game where I'm gonna watch so many different things but it's it's gonna be a fun matchup dude it's really going to be a fun matchup. Mm-hmm. And I think the the craziest part about all this is the Mahomes, if he wins it, that's two Super Bowls, right? And then Hurts, you know, he had that, that question that was asked to him where the reporter apologized to him saying, like, yo, I didn't think we would make the Super Bowl with you. And he's like, don't worry, bro. You wasn't the only one. Like, it's cool. We're cool. It was like a super awkward yeah. exchange. But to your point about Jalen Hurts and having to throw – He's one of the rare quarterbacks that when they're trailing, he runs more. So he does Um, take it upon himself. There was an interesting graphic, I believe it was from uh, Football Outsiders, that a lot of his rushing yards came in which, and granted, it was a small sample size, but the majority of his rushing yards are when he's trailing. So he takes it upon himself to make the plays, which I found really interesting. So it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be super fun. I'm excited for this one. Let's go with... uh, Give me your, give me your. Can I quickly mention yeah. one thing? I want because you're talking about because I do think maybe something I want to mention with Jalen Hurts because I was I've been listening to a podcast here and there, you know, get myself built up for this game and you know the flag NFL show I always rave about. They were they had the Eagles beat writer on a Bull Wolf and he was talking about like after that Bucks loss, they were considering their options. Like they got into the Sean Watson conversation. They were considering maybe trying to make a play for Russell Wilson. Like Jalen Hurts wasn't this you know person they backed the whole way. And even in free agency, they, they were highly involved in the Allen Robinson sweepstakes. Like they were yeah. pursuing Christian Kirk. So it's just wild when you think about how this roster is shaped up now and like you know, they're in the Super Bowl. Like, could you imagine if they had like a Russell Wilson, Allen Robinson? Like they would be, I don't know if they make the playoffs, probably not. So, and now look at them, like they're in the Super Bowl. So I think that's just something to keep in mind. Like, yeah, the Eagles, we were high on them coming to season, but you know, it's not like this was a team that was considered to be like the true number one NFC contender, you know, going to the year. Like they, they had a really good roster, but they made some pretty, you know, not bold, but like decisive decisions and it's really paid off. So, you know, I just want to mention that just because man, the trajectory could change very quickly. If if we've got Russell Wilson, Allen Robinson, or even someone like a Sean Watson or Christian Kirk. 
Well, dude, what what do I always talk about? Young quarterbacks need alpha wide receivers. That's why I felt as if the A.J. Brown signing was the most important one, and it turned out to be. It was the most important signing of the offseason. And I've been saying this trade. all year. Trade. Let's, 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 let's specify trade. trade. Yeah, this yeah, is a big you're trade. right. You're right. But yeah. the acquisition yeah. of getting A.J. Brown, right? Right. So it's a new guy coming in. But what the A.J. Brown trade did was it proved to the organization that, yo, if we give him a real weapon, and then Devontae Smith, who we take in the first round, he slides into a number two wide receiver. It's Batman and Robin on the outside. And then everyone else slots in. Like, bro, I sound like a broken record, but I was saying this because I felt like coming into this year, Jalen Hurts, if A.J. Brown can do what he did, which he did, I like Jalen Hurts was just going to be a great fantasy quarterback with his running upside. But he ends up being a winner because he has that championship pedigree going back to college, but he also got like a real dude he can make plays with on the outside. Like, that's so important to me. And you saw that be the case. So A.J. Brown has been a huge part of why now the Eagles are like, yo, we got a quarterback, which is what you want. When you have a guy in his, unless he's like a Burrow, Herbert, Mahomes, like right away where you could see it, if you have these guys that you're coming into this, this season with question marks for, if they could prove themselves with the amount of weapons that they have, like it's a win for you, dude. And that's what I think you saw with A.J. Brown when he came here. Well said, yeah. I mean, we talk about you know, rookie contracts all the time. You better build up your roster, and Philly's proven that once again. Give me your official pick for the Super Bowl. I'll be going Eagles 30, Chiefs 24. It's going with better roster talent, you know, well-rounded roster, like, you know, trenches, just better skill position players. I just think as, you know, Kansas City has the true superstars, but as the Eagles are too talented, and I think there's too many mismatches across the board where, you know, they're, they're going to be, they're going to overwhelm Kansas City a little bit. Mahomes' greatness will keep them in for a bit, but I just think at the end of the day, Eagles, this is their time. Well, we both landed on the number 24, which I find interesting. I got it 31-24 Kansas City. Ooh. Yeah, and I think for me, uh, I might turn out to be wrong, and maybe this pass defense is as good as advertised, but I think it's a different beast with Mahomes coming in, and I think you're going to realize very quickly. It's, it's very similar, and I made this analogy earlier on the show, or earlier this week, I should say, where... You know, you're an MMA fan. Like, we always talk about UFC. You ever seen sometimes when, like, a fighter is, he, he finally gets a big spot. Like, he gets a big fight, championship fighter, a number one contender fight. But then you're saying to yourself, well, is he that good? Or was his, like, path to a championship a cakewalk? Like, he wasn't tested. His strength of schedule wasn't that difficult. And that's what I think. I'm going with and leaning towards Kansas City. I think that the Eagles' defense has not been tested the way it will be on Sunday because you have the best quarterback in the league now. It's not Brock Purdy. It's not Daniel Jones. It's not Tyler, Taylor Haneke. It's, it's Mahomes in this Chiefs offense. And that's, that's ultimately what I'm banking on, what I'm betting on, and who I'm going with. Kansas City, 31-24. Do you also think... Andy Reid over Nick Seriani has played a factor into your predictions? Uh, I'm going to say no because 
Andy Reid does some weird shit with the clock sometimes, man. He has these. I mean, it's been like that for 20 years. You just, you've come accustomed to it. Right, right. So, nah, I think Sirianni's legit, dude. I think Sirianni has been a phenomenal coach. He just had that really fun and silly press conference when he got hired. And people were just nitpicking at it. And even I poked fun at it, too. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm happy that. I mean, everyone did. Everyone did. Right, right. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm I'm glad that the Eagles got him. And, you know, they've made the playoffs back-to-back years with him, too. So, yeah, so it's safe to say you you don't agree with Julian Love what he what he's been saying. Nah, nah, and also when you yeah. get your shit punched in, like let's let's chill with the yapping, Julian. Let's chill with the yeah. yapping. Take it easy, man. dude. Uh, I I'm trying to remember preseason but you had Eagles making the Super Bowl, right? I know you had them playing Minnesota the NFC title. I did. I had the Eagles and the I, I had the Eagles and the Chargers in the Super Bowl, so I was right on the NFC. Uh, yeah, I mean you had the same divisions too. It just ah. Uh, very close. Yeah, man. Charges you know, never it, it might be uh it might be something where like the last thing I'll say is this this might be the first time that Mahomes actually closes as an underdog in the playoffs. And yeah. dude, I don't know if we'll experience this again. Like earlier this year, let's go back to August, the Chiefs were plus 150 to win the division. What? Like how dumb was that? Now taking that when they won the division by 3 games. Like, you know, like the, there's these certain numbers sometimes where it's like, you know, LeBron James earlier this week, he sets the all-time record for most points in an NBA career. His over-under that night was like 31 and a half. It's like, dude, he had his family there. Kareem was there, right? They were at home. Of course he was going to break it there. It's like, why didn't we bet that, bro? That was a layup. It was a layup, Alan. I know you're not a D-Gen, but that was like, it was right there. It was obvious. I get the reasoning. You know, and, and like you're looking at Kansas City going back to, to the summer. You're like, yo, Mahomes, all right, they lost Tyreek. But everything I was saying for them was like, he's going to win the MVP. He, he, they, I think they're not going to miss Tyreek. I think they're going to be fine. And then I go and I pick the, the Chargers because I'm a, I'm a square, you know? That's what we do. Can't have it all, Alan. Live and you learn. That's all I can really say about that. But, you know, look, Keller Moore, Brand Staley, anyone that bets on that, you must have money to throw away. There's no, there's no defense for it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Alan, I appreciate you, man, all season coming on. I know moving forward you'll be popping in and out every couple of weeks. Uh, the NFL has become basically a 12 month sport. There's always some craziness, you know, quarterbacks moving, draft, and then before you know it, dude, we're back into the swing of things like late, late June, early July with these division previews. So I appreciate your time on the show. And uh, helping me out, man, even with this transition, moving out to Vegas. Uh, I wanted everyone to hear this from me on air, too, not just the behind-the-scenes conversation. So thank you. This was a banger, as always. And yes. let the people know where they can find you, bro. Absolutely. Alan Sturk, that's A-L-L-E-N-S-T-R-K. And salute to another successful season. And, yeah, I would say a very smooth transition. You know, you're doing your thing. You have the beautiful studio. And we're going to keep going. Hey man, I do I do want um I know it's a ways away, but we gotta do something dope in the summer. The NFL preview show, we gotta do it together. You gotta come out here. Maybe get the guys from the crew to to tag along to the rest of the VM gang to come and, and record it. We got a bunch of mics, a bunch of different seats, and I think it could be something where uh we'd be able to show people exactly what I want the show to be. All we need is proper preparation, it can be done. Let's do it.
Let's do it. Just at, plan it out and we can make it happen. At Veterans Minimum on all social media handles. Check out the UFC pod that I did with Heidi Fang. If you haven't, we have a pay-per-view this weekend. And we talk about Conor McGregor. We talk about Power Slap. And then if you haven't checked out the props episode, shout out to everybody that shared it. It means the world to me that you guys are sharing the content because to me, I feel like that's the best co-sign. It's the people that listen to your product. You then share it with their friends and family and girlfriends, wives, boyfriends, whoever it might be to get more eyes on the product. So thank you for sharing it. We had three episodes this week. Shouts to everyone in the control room for making this stuff happen. Having me looking fly on camera. Shout to Nestor. We'll catch you guys next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.